Just a real quick audio quality warning. Uh, it's a little rocky because unfortunately my levels were really low on the Zoom call. So I have to boost my levels and of course we talk over each other and um, it's just, it, it can be a little rocky at times, but I promise you'll get settled in and get whisked away into this awesome conversation because this week's guest is super inspirational. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of Podular Modcast. And really quickly, I'd like to thank Patchworks Seattle. Visit them online at patchworks.com. Needham Woodworks, the finest your rat cases in the land. And finally, After Later Audio for their continued support of Podular Modcast. Links for all three in the show description. Do you have an album that you just finished? Do you feel like it's the perfect synthesizer or modular album other than the mix? Are you just fighting it in your cans, on your studio monitors? Is it your DAW? What's going on? Well, I tell you what, you don't need to take up all of your creative energy trying to figure this out when there are people out there that can do it for you. I'm talking about Hugo R.A. Paris at Tiny Crush Mixing. His work is custom tailored to synthesists and modular synthesists. He works on recommendations from Nathan Moody. So what does that tell you? <laughs> I'm looking at his background here and it's, it's like, it's almost unbelievable. So let's just start with an academic background where he focused on acoustic and signal processing. That work led him to uh, work with MIT, Caltech, Stanford University. Uh, he has three of his own albums out. Uh, one is on Beacon Sound, the record label. Uh, so he's label mates with Terry Riley and Amulets and many others. Also has some music out on Jacktone Records. His albums have received positive attention from the press and have been reviewed by outlets such as Accelerator, Fact Magazine, and Resident Advisor. Like those are the three for electronic music. Um, oh yeah, he also conceived and developed the spherical wavetable navigator, the flagship Eurorack module over at 4MS. So you're in good hands. His state-of-the-art studio provides the ideal listening configuration for your work. He also will do remote mix breakdowns with you if you're interested in learning you know, what he's doing and maybe how to do it for yourself in the future. The turnaround time is quick and he offers add-ons such as reamping and analog summing. Openings start now. So you're sitting on that album and you want it to sound as good as it possibly can? Then head over to tinycrushmixing.com and get a hold of Hugo. Back to Podger the Modcast. I'm your host, Tim Held, and this week we are talking to Eki Shola. Eki has just launched Unmute Magazine, and we're going to talk all about what that is, and we have an excellent conversation. So please stand by for that. Uh, got a few things to talk about before we get into this week's episode. And the first thing I want to tell you about is the Modular World Anniversary Show, May 8th and 9th, 24 hour plus live stream, 130 artists. 24 countries. I will be one of them. I'm pretty stoked on my submission. So uh, stay on the lookout for that. Another thing I was recently involved with that I'm really excited 
uh, is out now is the Send Receive project that uh, Sarah Bell Reed started. It's uh, a collaboration between Sarah, myself, Heinbach, and Helen Vogelsinger, and it's using the Strega. And uh, just there, there's a link in the show description. There's an awesome little EP made out of uh, all of our contributions, and there's a cool video on Sarah's YouTube page. Um, that's all I'll say about that. I, I think it's better just to go and check it out if you're not familiar yet. Um, and last thing I'll say, as far as plugging my stuff goes, um, you've all heard me talk about my buddy Steven, uh, who, who's, who makes pipe organs. Well, me and him have an album coming out this Friday, uh, Modular Synth and Piano. And it's weird, and it's fun, and uh, it's kind of just our little demo. We're working on new stuff. In fact, there's going to be a pretty cool video up of us, uh, something we did recently. Um, I've, you know, I've been talking about turning my uh, my synth into a field recorder, and so I, I brought that down to uh, Stephen's house where he has a baby grand piano and processed a bunch of weird stuff. And, uh, yeah, lots of really cool stuff coming out. So be on the lookout for our new album this Friday. And one more piece of news, I've recently started doing bonus episodes for uh, for the Patreon subscribers. So I've done three so far, and I uh, they're, they're a lot different than your weekly episodes. Uh, they're just kind of me um, fielding questions from, from the listeners and uh, just talking about uh, my recent uh, journeys in outdoor field recording and synth recording and i had a pretty funny experience on uh the ferry from seattle to bainbridge island uh that i will be talking all about in the uh in uh, the bonus episode on patreon so um thank you to everybody who who helps out over there and if you would like to help keep the leds blinking over here at PodMod, please visit us at patreon.com forward slash podular modcast to get access to a special discord channel where uh we just kind of talk about uh you know, exclusive Patreon shit that I can't tell you about because you're not in it. It's called the Patreon Champagne Room. Um, <laughs> and one final thing, everything that you've uh, heard under my dulcet tones in this intro has been me jamming on the Blip Blocks After Dark. Um, let's just check that out for a minute and then I'll tell you about it. Okay, so you've probably seen the blip blocks by now. Um, they are marketed as a toy for children, um, but don't be fooled. This is a, a, a full-fledged synthesizer groove box that is so much fun. Um, if you get one for your kid, I guarantee you'll uh, you'll be t- you'll be taking it to the living room after they go to bed and, and maybe having a glass of wine and jamming on it. Uh, there's two versions. There's the uh, the original and then the the after dark version. And the after dark version. Um, it has like everything's labeled LFOs and all the, the filters and everything. So probably for a little older kids who actually want to start understanding synthesis. Um, and then the original is probably better for the younger ones who just want to, you know, p- mash buttons and, and make noises. Um, I'm going to get into its functionality next week, but let's talk to Eki Shola in the meantime. And we are rolling. All right. Eki, 
Thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Um, I'm really excited to get to know you. Um, well, further, because I met you recently on uh, Peaked SF. That's right. Um, and that was an interesting night. Yeah. Um, we kind of got into the thick of it, and I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> Should have been a little, yeah, <laughs> disclaimer at the beginning or something. <laughs> Um, but I think it was, uh, I, I hope it was a productive conversation. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll get into, to all that in a bit, but um, unless you had anything to say about that up top. Um, No, not really. No. I mean, no. Okay. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I would just, I was really interested to, uh, to hear about what you're, you're setting yourself up to do with, with Unmute Magazine and right. uh, just your, your backstory and then doing, and I don't like to do too much research on my guests because I like to get to know them in real time, but okay. I like to, you know, do a little bit. And, sure. uh, you know, so I spent some time listening to your music. You make amazing music. Oh, um, thank you. And uh, I just wanted to kind of start with the music. Yeah. When did you start playing and in what capacity and, and what, and I'm really interested to know what, um, what, like, was there a song or a, a group that you heard that all of a sudden you were like, I, I want that. I want to get in on that. <laughs> well, I started playing piano at four. So my okay. parents were both musicians and mom started teaching us piano. She played piano organ and she sung beautifully and then that transitioned to, you know, private lessons and the whole not wanting to practice and then <laughs> being incentivized with like IHOP and McDonald's on the weekends if we practiced. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, IHOP was the in thing back then, 90s, I guess. So, you know, practice, played, and then I remember there's nine year difference between my brother and I. Mm-hmm. And older and I remember like I'm you know about to graduate out the house and he would be up late at night either video gaming or making music on Fruity Loops and I was like oh yeah what is that and like he showed me like you know can you teach me like how to make beats or whatever and you know he'd be like you know here press this button well I didn't really get much of a tutorial uh-huh. but that was like sort of the first kind of foray and then uh into into that genre and then I remember traveling to uh, Europe, sort of my first time solo traveling. And, you know, back in those days in the airport, you know, you'd, they would, you know, in the book stands, you could buy CDs, like compilations, uh-huh. like four for like nine ninety nine. Uh-huh. And I remember getting like a few of those and they were like Ibiza, Chill Out, Electronica. And I started to listen to that. And I was like, oh my gosh, like who are these folks? It's kind of like... This trippy, chill out, jazz, house, soul, R&B, all in one. So that was always kind of percolating in my in, in the back of my mind. Uh, artists like um, Zero Seven, Bonobo, those kind of artists. And then, you know, I went to medical school and music just got put on hold for four years, pretty much. There just really wasn't that much time to, to do any um any music, and then I did four years of res, three years of residency, and started to get back into just making beats, pretty loops, okay. and picked up a piano and just started playing. Okay. But the pivotal moment was 2012, planning my mom's memorial. 
uh, with my siblings and my father and um, the home that we grew up in in Long Island. And we took a break. It was stressful, taxing. And we ended up in my you know, bedroom, my kid bedroom, and my father found his drums and my brother found his bass. My sister had a violin and I had my old keyboard. And we jammed for like, I don't know, like two, three hours. Mm-hmm. And it was completely like cathartic. And it was just like, I want to do music. Uh-huh. And that was it. And we had never played together before as a family, which is really? an odd thing. We're all musicians. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's crazy that you guys <laughs> it are is. musicians. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it seems like um, this is a, I'm trying to find a, a more graceful way of saying the old, you know, adage of making lemonade yeah. out of lemons, but it sounds like it was, it's, it's sounds like a powerful. It was, moment, you know, like it really was. And it just felt right. And it was, I mean, our mom was even in the room with us, you know, her ashes were in the urn and we had her there with us. So all of us were technically united for that wow. moment, just playing. And that was the moment when I was like, I need to do music. Okay. And that's wow, what, that is, yeah. So, but, so how, like, cause I'm watching these videos of you on Instagram and listening mm. to your music and you're like, you're singing, but you're playing technical piano. Right. You know? So like, it makes sense that you started at four, but like, right. I imagine like being, you know, studying medicine, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, you took time off. Were you like pr- practicing at all or was it just like no music during that time? <sighs> What? Well, in medical school, there was some music. It was mostly like making beats. Uh And um, it wasn't really writing full pieces per se. Mm -hmm. Again, just time and then residency. Again, not that much. But once 2012 was that moment of playing, I just created space. I was working full time. I had two little ones. I just had my second born and it was like, okay, put them to bed at seven. And then it was like, boom, hit the music studio and played till 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And I burned myself out. Yeah. But it was like, I just couldn't get enough. And it was just this healing for me. You know? So it's, it's impressive to hear like, you know, parenthood, already yeah. a grueling job right. and then you know making that much music at the same time like I can right. see that burning you out but it's it seems like having it starting in some kind of like kind of healing way maybe you mm-hmm. know kind of lit a fire in a way that just hearing something on the radio and getting inspired exactly do. exactly or someone telling you to practice 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. so it, it had to come from within. Uh, mm-hmm. It just made it that more meaningful. Uh huh. Yeah. So, do you are you practicing medicine still? I am. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, music industry is tough, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> medicine is my side hustle. <laughs> uh, do you mind if I ask, like, what yeah. like, what branch or how in what capacity yeah, sure. are you? Yeah, internal medicine. And there's a little story behind that, but another pivotal moment came in October 2017. Santa Rosa caught on fire, Sonoma County, wildfires galore, Mm -hmm. and we weren't evacuated. We didn't have any notification, and we ended up just kind of driving through the flames to get out and escape. And that was harrowing enough, right? And then it was five weeks of hotels all over trying to find a place. And when I finally had the courage to go back 
to the property, everything was gone. And up until that point, before the fires, I was working from home doing telehealth. So I've seen patients from, from home, my home office. I had my music studio there also. And I was also writing uh, as a, for a job. And I was working at a clinic for the underserved. Um, okay. So lost my home. The clinic also burned in the fire, too. So I lost that. So I was pretty much out of everything. And for the three years prior, though, Tim, I was really oscillating between um, medicine and music. I was really having a tough time doing both. Like, I mean, I was using my vacation time in medicine to go fly to Seattle to record and just burning out. So when all that was taken and gone, I was like, I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to pivot to music. And so the first thing that I bought was a replacement Mac. And in a hotel room at night, I was just making those first few songs and then just started and grew and got involved in benefit concerts and played for first responders. And it was just incredible. So again, it was this other um, very, you know, out of grief and out of, you know, trauma came again, this, you know, opportunity to follow another passion. And medicine was also was always my passion. That was the only thing I ever knew I wanted to be since I was five. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> and that was it. I had tunnel vision to be a doctor. And I enjoyed it and I loved it. But then again, it was like, boom, 2012. It was like, oh, music. <laughs> so now I have a good balance where I can do both. And, you know, COVID, of course, and the shutdown has been really hard. But then it's been all these great remote opportunities. So now I get to see... Um, patients from my home office and do online music stuff. Yeah, so. it s- sounds like you're already kind of geared for the uh, the the home office stuff, anyways. So that right. Wasn't easy. Um, right. I'm I'm really interested in this this kind of like lit- like almost literal like rising from the ashes. Yeah. Thing that that's happened right. twice to you, mm-hmm. and. I'm I'm like just like psychologically that's interesting mm. to me cuz it seems like maybe it's a way of you know occupying yourself with a, a creative task is maybe a, a a coping thing but it also seems like you're inspired by by grief in a way that right cuz a lot of people myself included I've gone through hard times sure. you know, nothing like nothing like that but um you know we all have our our things that happen to us and whatnot and mm-hmm. I tend to shut down I tend to do my creative my creation once I feel better but it sounds like mm-hmm. you kind of thrive in these situations right. Um, right. I'm just wondering if what you think that is or can you speak to that in any way yeah uh well I remember Early on, after my mom died, that being the hardest thing ever. Um, yeah, the fires were hard too, but just losing my parent. Uh, she was young, otherwise healthy, had cancer, and six month battle, and that was it. My hardest wife, thing. My wife went through the same thing. Oh. She's, it's seven years ago, almost, you know, just like last week, it was the seven year anniversary. Yeah. So, I mean, I have my parents, but I see her going through it, and I, I think she was young too. Right. You know, and that makes it, I don't think it's ever easy, but. Right, right. Yeah, I'm very sorry to hear that. Oh, thank you. But I, um, I remember I was driving home 
we lived off a narrow, windy road, and I was just, you know, I commuted every day back and forth to work. And I remember thinking, my God, it'd be so easy to just veer off to the corner. Mm-hmm. Who would notice? Nothing would happen, right? And that would be in my thought. And I remember listening, a show on NPR came on, and there's this doctor who's giving an interview about his patients who have PTSD. Um, and he talked about, this is what he said, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, there's nothing that he could or, or, or nothing that he could have said or done to kind of change someone's mind about sort of their outlook on whether they wanted to move through grief. And it was like a light bulb because it's like, oh, I have a choice. I have a choice of if I want to stay down in this low, low level that was hell or, or not. And that was really huge because up until that point, I was just a victim of it. And right. I tried everything to numb it, you know, medication, therapies, all different stuff. And none of those, the therapy helped, but for the most part, like the antidepressants, I mean, just numbed me. So I didn't, I wasn't processing anything mm-hmm. and just feeling not better. But I remember when I said, when I, when I heard him and I said, wow, I have a choice. And I said, I need to make the choice because living like this scared me more than anything. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's where the music, it was healing before, but it took on a whole other dimension. And like, I just lived it, breathed it and was immersed in it. So it was my therapy, it was my yeah. medicine. It really was. It's pretty crazy to, to when those things happen, when you're suddenly reminded that you have agency right. in this, you know, in this existence. Right. And yeah. it's something that's so simple. It sounds like it was like a relatively simple, like as far as like mm-hmm. word for word, what that mm-hmm. person said. Right. But you had to hear it at that time. Yes. And it really turns like, that's, uh, I just find that so fascinating how just mm. brains and psychology and all this works. Um, <laughs> yeah. Before before this moment of kind of like I could veer off the road, um, mm. had had you d- dealt with depression prior to your mom's death or suicidal ideation, or was this something that was new to you? This was new. Okay. I mean, directly um, mm. new. So probably it, made it extra, yeah, jarring. Me, you know, it it was. It totally was. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah, it was. I yeah, that was new for me. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing such um, yeah. intimate details. Um, <laughs> but as, yeah, I think people, I was just talking to a friend about something like this recently and mm-hmm. po- like, especially the things like podcasting and, and, and mental health awareness being right. more on the open. It's just, it, it's worth, it's worth it sometimes to talk about your own trials and tribulations because it'll help the next person who maybe will feel, feels alone and, Right. You know, it's that, it's that feeling alone and that, that you don't have agency in something that can get you into some dark places. And sometimes, yes. you know, who knows, maybe what you just said, somebody right. will listen to in a right. few weeks and they'll pull yeah. themselves and they'll tell their own version of this story on a podcast yeah. somewhere else or something. You never know. <laughs> it's a ripple effect. We're all really mm-hmm. intricately connected. And I mean, when I think about the music that um, got me through, 
I had this one album that lived because it was in my car and it was Bonobo's migration album with the big flames on it. Oh, ironically. Oh, my, oh seriously? <laughs> Can you oh believe it? I know. I know. The universe just messes with us sometimes, I think. I, I think know. that's just like that's just that's that's just a, like it's kind of funny. You have to laugh at that. Oh yeah. I know, I know. I was like of all my CDs. <laughs> and like I played that thing on repeat for over a year. I mean it started to scratch a bit. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's mostly instrumentals, but it was, um, it just allowed me to feel all the emotions I was feeling and gave me hope. I don't know when you listen to a song and you start to just, your chest starts to fill and you're like, I can do anything kind of feeling and it feels so good. Mm-hmm. And then the next day you're like back down to earth, but, <laughs> but it's like, that's how that album was for me. Mm-hmm. It just it kept me going, and so I don't know. You know, when I when I play, when I you know did live shows, it was the most gratifying thing for people to come up and say to me, um, "Thank you for allowing me to feel," or "Thank you for allowing me to cry," or, mm-hmm. or you know, and that's that. And and the cool thing, which again, like brains and psychology, you know that a lot of my first albums were instrumental. And it's so still freaks me out when somebody will come up to me and tell me how they how that song moved them, and all the emotions they felt were like the ones I was feeling at the very time I was writing the song, and there are no lyrics. Yeah, and I'm like, wow, that came through. And I mean, uh-huh. it's not just a coincidence because multiple people have said it. Yeah, right. That's right, the power right. of music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? it's it's yeah you can. And not to get too wooey about it, I get I yeah. get pretty wooey about something. It's weird. I'm like a I'm like somewhere in between, like a total, um, like what is it, um, empiricist, but then also like I've got some pretty out there like <laughs> wooey books too that I like. Oh, to same. They're not wooey. They're life. You're right. I know. I... Like, yeah. When I when I hear stories like the, the one CD you had left was yeah the, had the flames on the cover like. <laughs> You have two options. You can say that was a coincidence and shut right. it off and maybe be annoyed at the coincidence or right. you can like just choose to be like, no, that was something, something right. somewhere is telling exactly. me. Exactly. I mean, yes. I feel like that's something, whatever that is, it's, yeah. I hate to say this word like energy, but like it's, it's hard. I think that's just a, a catch all term, but yeah. there is some sort of, you are putting your personality into your music. Right. You know, I have friends who make music one way with one type of instrument and then they can make it, you know, on a different type of it, a different instrument completely. And it'll still right. have their, their fingerprint on it. Right. That's right. Mm-hmm. There's something to that. Yes. I'm sure Oliver Sacks has written about it. I yeah. just have it written. Yes. Oh, he's good. Author. <laughs> yeah. I still love his books. Um, oh, yeah. So you're, so see like you're you're politically active as well and and I mm-hmm. feel like there's a there's a political bent to your mm-hmm. um your new your new venture but were you so like you mentioned you were playing like benefit shows and stuff mm-hmm. like that after the fires were you was were the the fire something that kind of like pushed you into that realm or were you mm-hmm. kind of a- active before that I am conflict avoidant I don't do that stuff I admire people who are activists Uh and the 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 irony of of it is not even irony but 
I remember seeing a few people, it, it was Black Lives Matter. It was that movement that helped me to um, unearth my own voice and feel comfortable in sharing it and com feeling comfortable about sharing um, opinions about difficult things, which up until that point, I wouldn't. I totally wouldn't. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as difficult as it is, sort of all that we're going through now, I mean, there's always something difficult every day, every month, every year. That's life. Yeah. I, and the struggle is is challenging it feels like you're on this hamster wheel with the same issues you know you know being played the you know three step forward one step back but i feel what is different in my experience in my opinion is that now there's been uh an opening of discussion where we can start to talk about these things which is great I mean, they're hard, but it's like, I actually feel comfortable, not 100%, be comfortable and confident that I can, you know, talk about race and, and, and not have to just keep sticking that down and shoving it down and ignoring it and, and, and all of that. So I think that's really hopeful. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the reasons that pushed me to starting Unmute magazine. It's not necessarily politically oriented per se, but it was born out of around March, April, seeing a lot of journalists and writers and social media were putting out posts for BIPOC, Black Indigenous People of Color. They were putting out posts saying, we'll help you, we'll write an album review, or we'll write a music review, whatever help we can do to support you, we will. And I remember reaching out to a whole bunch and like got like one response. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And it felt really crappy. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't want this handout anyway. Do you anyway. feel like it was maybe a, a cash grab type thing? Well, yeah. To, like, right. Well, that's things. it. And I was like, how authentic is this? It yeah. wasn't feeling that way mm -hmm. at all. And I'm like, wow. And then it hit me. It's like, I'm not waiting on anybody. I'm going to do it myself. And that's where the magazine came from, so that I can help uplift and, and amplify the voices of other artists and it's, you know, we're putting out the first edition in May and I've received all the submissions and I've been blown away by what has come through um, globally. Artists from Thailand, uh, some of Canada, it's amazing. And there's just so much talent out there, but there's just a small amount of us that are privy to the network and the pipeline to lead us to where we want to go. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I, you, you know, how, how often do you hear the argument of, you know, well, there, there, there's an underrepresentation of certain types, mm. uh, you know, walks of life or different or backgrounds or whatever, because right. there's just not as many of them doing it. Right. Like you hear right. that a lot. Yes. And I think you mentioned this when we were on peaked. Yeah. That that's not true. Right. And it sounds like you're getting a lot of submissions. So how, right. like, how true, how untrue is this? And well, at first, I it was very challenging. I was texting my dad, Dad, like nobody submitted anything, like just one friend, uh -huh. and it was a lot of white friends uh -huh. that were submitting. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, are we not there? And but you just have to get more creative. 
in reaching uh, reaching out to folks. And I think you also have to explain your intention and follow through. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to. And I feel that once I started to do that, uh, then the reception has been has been there, and so artists are there. If if and and so if you are non-BIPOC, you're white, and most of your social circle is white, you're gonna have to work harder to find those folks, and you've got to know how to invite and and initiate a discourse and a conversation, and know why you're doing it and how you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's important. Yeah, if like you, you mentioned when we met, absolutely. Because right. I, I think we are talking something similar to this, and you know, you had mentioned that the intent is is the number one right. thing, and it sounds right. like a lot of these 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 publications that were reaching out mm. and you say maybe not responding were. Mm-hmm. Either they were so inundated that they couldn't get back to you. Right. Which right. Maybe, maybe we hope maybe. that's the case. Yes. You know? <laughs> but in today's world where a lot of your, everybody's personality and life is on display, is social media, and even even to the point where companies are, you know, using certain hashtags, like you do, I have, I'm pretty skeptical sometimes when right. Starbucks says hashtag, you know, <laughs> Black Lives Matter, hashtag stop Asian hate. It's kind of right. like, do, what are you doing besides using this hashtag to actually do that? And like, exactly saying this. So yeah, it's and, exactly. And I wonder, and the people who are probably most aware of that are the people who are suffering from these things that the hashtags are trying to help. Right. So it makes me wonder when people who know the score see that yes. kind of shit, they're like, right. Right. Kind of dismiss. Doesn't it. matter. Yeah. It doesn't. I mean, it's just again um, with all the terrible um, hate acts um, against the Asian population. Everyone is standing in solidarity. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, keep standing. But like, <laughs> I don't need you to. St- I mean, enough with the standing. Do something. Right. Right. I think you know. It's like I don't know if they seem. I don't know how they. It doesn't make me feel better or like, oh, yeah, you know, I've got some folks standing on either side. I feel more safe or more comfortable. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I and, feel like mm. things have – that, that seems to have been that kind of the um, – maybe like w- before woke was a term, that yeah. was kind of like what like socially progressive – culture in America was, was just like grandstanding. And I, and I really, I, I feel like for me, but because I'm late to the game because I'm, you know, I'm a white man. So it was, you know, I, I haven't had the hardships that so many people have had, but you know, the George Floyd, starting with George Floyd and through all those protests and seeing my, you know, what happened in Seattle, I was, I was up at Chaz chop and seeing how it was reported on and what was happening and what the, I had like this awakening where, you know, I was like, Oh, it's always been, this is, this, it's always been this way. And companies saying this and using these, this kind of flowery language legislation hasn't done anything. They're, they're just, they're just switching things around. And I think a lot of people hopefully Mm. are wisening up to that. Right. 
but what do we do from, you know, now, right. you know, like, where do you, right. like, I, I, have, I got really vocal about it for a long time to a point where I was like, I'm not saying anything of use. I don't know what to actually do. Mm. And I started maybe, maybe I shouldn't be speaking out so much. You know, I need to, you know, I want to listen more. Right. But I have this like, I always want to do, do, do. I feel like you and I have a, a similar <laughs> right. like that because you right. said it didn't exist. So I got to do sure. it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So it's, I, I don't know. I'm now I'm just rambling, but um, I, I, I think one of the reasons I'm, I'm so excited about um, what you're doing with Unmute is mm-hmm. I have wanted to find, you know, I want, because I've, I've, I've wondered that question. Is it mm-hmm. that there's just more that these, that there's people these people don't exist or do mm. they just not have a platform? And I think right. it has to be way more of the latter right. and having a, somebody start something like what you're doing, right. I think it is a really great way for people right. to, to have, to get their stuff out there and for people who yeah. may not have found them otherwise. Exactly. Know? And it was also, I was partly inspired by seeing the other publications that have a similar focus mm-hmm. for amplifying BIPOC artists. I was just part of the album listening party on Saturday of a magazine called The Nashona. They've been going on for a long while. Their online publication is amazing. It's the, the, the amount of topics and the populations that they reach truly, truly diverse. And, you know, we were on the call for like an hour and a half listening to the whole album of like 17 tracks by all, you know, underrepresented voices. I'm like, who the heck are these people? It was amazing. The, the caliber of the music, the creativity of the music, and the, and the range, you know, from classical to, to rap and everything fused together in between. We're out there. Mm-hmm. We totally are. But it, it, it would be nice. I'm torn, right? Because I feel like it would be nice that I didn't have to create Unmute Magazine. Mm-hmm that I would already just be able to see myself and similar people in mainstream magazines at a fair representation. Mm -hmm. But since that's not happening, you know, I have to create it myself. Yeah. For now, you know? And I think that's one of the, there's, there's so many downsides to our current culture of, you know, just, the total connectedness and you know mm. the music industry is who knows what the future of that right. is with, with the way technology has changed that but one of the best outcomes of of this is like the diy era like yeah. you can just do it and, and I, I, know. I you know people are how did you get so and so on the podcast i asked them to be on the podcast mm. i just did it i just yeah. you know and and that's exciting to know that you know, but it is hard, like you said, like putting it out there because everybody can do that. Right. Now you're in an ocean. <laughs> now you're a drop of water in the ocean. So, <laughs> yes, I know. So it's but, a whole other thing. <laughs> I know, but, and I tell, it's hard. I mean, just going on Bandcamp, right? And going to the rabbit hole in Bandcamp is like, oh my God. But I, the, I just try to remind myself there is no other person like me, no other person like you who's made up like you genetically, socially, and doing the things that you do out there. Mm -hmm. So, and that's powerful to be your own and have your own voice and have that unique, you know, part. But yeah, that whole comparison stuff will... You can't do it. (laughs) You, You won't want to create... (laughs) <laughs> no, no. And, and I wouldn't I want to create. Like, 
<laughs> you wouldn't have any of the people that have inspired you to do the things that you want to do if yeah. if that like sure that could be true but it's also true that you could right you know, succeed way beyond your wildest dreams you know with whatever. Never know. um yeah. um now we're, now we're really veering off sorry about that oh we are oh, no, i didn't think we were <laughs> I, t- I, t- I feel like I go on tangents sometimes. And I'm like, is, I, is this, is this it useful? <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to definitely focus more on, um, you know, what exactly Unmute um, will be because, you know, it's coming mm-hmm. out May 1st, I believe you said. Right, May 1st, issue. yes. So maybe, uh, I mean, is it a digital or is there going to be a print aspect? or? or... It will be digital. Okay, it's a digital. And I think the differentness of that or of the magazine or unique part of the magazine is not just musicians, it's creatives, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. uh, we have an interview with an author slash choreographer, dancer. We have photographers, artists, writers. Um, It's a sort of, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful spectrum of Mm -hmm. anyone who's creative and sees it. And, (laughs) and yeah, I will not give it away. So if you subscribe, You'll find out. Oh, okay. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I And, you know, another good thing about kind of this crazy, mm. you know, what, what technology has done with the interconnection, interconnectedness and everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're to this point in, in music and I think in most art forms where it's hard to re like just invent something new, but everybody mashes different things up with each. Now everything's so mashed up to where a magazine that covers all sorts of art is actually seems way more contemporary than one that would just focus on music. Right. That's more interesting to me, especially, I think that's interesting too. Cause like as, as, as a musician or a podcaster, right. Let's just say Mm. as a podcaster, Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't want to read a magazine that was just about podcasts. And Mm. I, Probably because I'm doing it all the time myself, so I'm not right. all that interested in the other. But if there was one that had an article about a podcast, but also right. a painter, and a, you know, a, a director, right? That sounds good to me, right? You know? so. Yeah, it's it, it's probably more selfish inspiration. It's just like, what would I want to read? And it's not just oh. one specific thing because I've got stacks of those. And it's like <laughs> after the tenth page, I'm like, okay. Uh-huh. So, but <laughs> with unmute, I hope people can flip through. Something catches their eye. If one article doesn't, then you know maybe this video would or this album review would, and just to peak interest. Mm-hmm. Really, um, yeah. is is the is the goal? So. Yeah. I'm especially interested in something like this because not only to find you know underrepresented underrepresented artists, but mm. also it's, it's it's so hard. Like I'm I'm constantly that feeling that you talked about earlier mm. when you hear that song that mm. makes you feel that way. Mm. I'm always on the hunt for that, and it's coming oh. from every different type of music. And yeah. I've been searching it out for so long that it's hard to find new stuff. Oh, you know, like people, have you heard of this? Yeah, I've listened to that. Yes, you know, like, yes. You know, and so I think the well is no longer popular culture, well known music. It's who's making stuff out there right now all over the world. Right. And you can really only find that through Bandcamp, which actually has a pretty good, like, 
I want to listen to some Iranian metal. Like yes. you can go to Iranian yeah. metal and find that's everything. Right. Um, and that's pretty cool. Right. But it would be all like having something like unmute to kind of be your, like your, your middle person for that mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. like serve it up for you a little bit. Right. Like then you don't have to go through and they'll skip, scrub ahead 30 seconds <laughs> on every Iranian metal song to see which one sticks what you're looking for today. <laughs> I hear you. It's a little, little appetizing curation of, of, of a, yeah, a little sampling. I hear you. <laughs> well, I'm, um, so is this something that you're going to kind of keep open submissions for? Is this something that you want to direct people to kind of, get a, get a hold of you about, or is this something where you're hoping to build kind of a, an infrastructure of, of like a team to kind of curate for, for the magazine? That's a good question. I mean, submissions are open now, but they're definitely rolling. Um, for the second uh, edition, our submissions are open until June 1st. And as for a team, yeah, if anybody wants to on or have an interest and want to reach out to me about that, whether it's collaboration or some sort, I'm open. So, okay. I yeah. love the, and that's another beauty about the DIY spirit. It's kind yeah. of like figure it out. Right. I have an idea. Because what fully fleshed out idea, like if it was fully fleshed out right now before, right. you know, magazine one is out. Right. Like, is it really going to be that thing by yeah. issue five? Well, there you go. You know, I, so why not just roll with exactly. it? Exactly. That's, um, that's been the challenge and the blessing of this music profession. Because, you yeah. know, in the medical field, it's A through whatever. You've got your steps as to, you, you know, pre-med, medical school resident. It's laid out. You just do it and you get in and you graduate and blah, you find it. But the music field is just like... I don't know. This is like rolling dice. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Or like it's it's like a it's like a I don't know. Think of a most intricate game board or something. I don't, it, you just don't know where it's going to take you. But the only thing that has ever been um, a constant positive has uh, is to do something every day. It doesn't sound very profound. But it's just to keep doing something, um, and and inevitably it leads to you know another door, another opportunity. So, yeah, yeah. But just to keep doing something different. Yeah, I I, I want to. Yeah, I I feel like I could speak to that. Mm. In, like, I feel like what I'm doing with my creative pursuits right now is mm-hmm. the closest thing to what I would have seen as success. 10 years ago, Mm. but I would have never, ever imagined it being with, I didn't know what modular synths were or being, you know, podcast, Uh, you know, so you put yourself out, out there in situations and kind of take, take things as they come, but also remain active in that. Yes. No, this sounds pretty vague, but. No, no, no. It makes complete sense. I think, uh, because it's hard. Like we, because if you're, I'm sure people listening to this show are, are, Mm are on the same page as you and I, as far mm. as, you know, most of them are, I, I can't imagine there's a whole lot of non-musicians listening. Right, right. And everybody's trying to figure out their way of making their voice heard or whatever right. it is they're trying to do with it. And right. from my experience, it never happens the way 
you think it's gonna. So don't ex- <laughs> don't don't get any expectations. All right. <laughs> that's so true. I guess that's kind of so life, though, right? No, so true. I'll never forget my. Um, I mean, you know, doing music professionally for going on five years now. Wow, and. I always go by when my first album was released, which was 2016. And I remember around that time, or maybe 2017, I tried to book a show. And the reply that I got from the venue owner, it was so scathing. It was like, you know, how dare you reach out to me about booking when you're not even able to, you know, know how to present yourself, much less like, bring in the numbers that we need and it was like it was so bad <laughs> it's so mean and I I wanted to cry I probably did cry and then I got angry and then I then I thought I was like well you know what what can I learn from this and I wrote him back a really cordial and respectful letter saying thank you very much for opening my eyes to so the procedures that need to be addressed and taken um, I've learned a lot but I never heard back but it just it just showed me like how you kind of have to embrace a level of just fearlessness but mixed in with obviously kind of educating yourself along the way but Mm -hmm. it's just you just got to keep trying you got to make mistakes which you yeah you get you you develop a tough skin Quick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You need that thick skin. <laughs> and I think a lot of people, especially starting with music, mm. there, there's like, I think there's like a, a funny amount of delusion that it takes for anyone to even pursue the idea of yeah. being a professional musician. Right. Because it's, there's so much luck involved. I know people I who are know. like amazing musicians who I just, know. you know. Yeah. Um, where was I going with that? Delusions and and, yeah, I think you need that delusion is what like gets you going. Yes. Yes. But you also have to like kind of along the way, start accepting that like, oh, there's a lot of people out there too that are just as good or better than me. And that's where I think, you know, it's not just luck. You just have to like put yourself out there and do something yeah. every day. I think right. that, you know, there's it's a combination of all this stuff because it's it's kind of a numbers game. Who are you yeah. gonna meet? I know. You know, who are you gonna right. meet to talk to this person right. to get to, you know? I exactly. played a show. I played a show like eleven years ago in some mm-hmm. bar in Yakima, Washington, mm-hmm. with you know, this band that my buddy had found to for us to play with. And I ended up talking to the 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 husband and wife they were in a, in a band before them who opened up and now they're some of my best friends you know <laughs> and i started and i got in a band with him in seattle and then got to play a bunch of cool shows in seattle wow. because i met this one person at this bar because we were trying you know like i guess that's just like that you never know how it's yeah. gonna play out exactly exactly because i thought that band that i was playing with that night was yeah. gonna be my ticket Oh, that, that band is long, long gone. You, you never know. know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> never ever know. It's so true. Um, I now I just derailed myself again. That's how I. <laughs> that's how I know I'm having fun. Is when I start going off. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about. <laughs> I know we're already almost at an hour. Um, and no. I want to make sure that we get to everything. Um, 
we, t- we didn't talk too much about your music. I'm just curious right now. So you, you like, re- you write, record and mix and master all yeah, of your stuff. I do. That, that, that's more towards great. it. Thank you. That was the last, the last album I did everything. So mm-hmm. yeah, and originally when I first started, it was, you know, I had uh, sound engineers to do the mixing last on the first, I think two albums and then third and fourth, I kind of just phase out and learn to do it myself. So I love, you got that DIY spirit. Like, like it's, it's part of the flowing with it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so it's, I think part of the type A <laughs> and the control part, but it was like, my dad, you know, he's a musician. He would be, cause I would get these mixes back and it's not the way I planned for it to sound, but I mm. didn't know how to express it in words sonically that I what I wanted mm-hmm. so my dad is like just do it yourself I'm like no I don't know how to do it. so I ended up you know local community college started taking classes and um taught myself and it's a lot of trial and error and nothing's perfect and I'm not looking for perfection anyway but at the end it was like yes that's how I want it I want my bass heavy and, and thuddy and I want the, <laughs> you know piano tinkly and I get to make it that way and it's mine so it works, you know, for me. Okay, and for so all the for all the gear nerds out there, uh-huh. can you give me a rundown of maybe some of your your favorite gear? Because you're 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 multi instrumentalist. You're doing all yeah. sorts of stuff. So what's what's right. some of your your prime like a hardware and soft synth stuff? Like oh, I love that question. Or? I love that question. You know why? I refuse to update any of my software because the last time I did that a few years ago, my Mac was incompatible with Ableton. Oh. So I'm running the latest, greatest Mac OS 10.13.16. I got the old Ableton. Like, I, I eight, don't even, like eight or nine or something? I think it's nine. Yes, okay. nine. Nine. Um, I just recently started getting into plugins from like Bitfire, I think it is. Okay. Um, and massive, but this is my thing. If I'm going to purchase equipment, I want to darn well make sure that I know how to use the current equipment that I have. Because prior to the wildfires, I had stuff, lost it all. And when I went to rebuy, I was like, I'm just going minimal. I don't need the latest and greatest for me. I wouldn't know how to use it to its capacity anyway. I mean, I have a beautiful Korg Kronos. Um, I probably use 5% of its capability. I made my yeah. first album on the Korg Kronos, um, not knowing about Ableton. So I was laying down the tracks, editing, cutting, mixing in the keyboard. Wow. Not knowing that you can do that on a door. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a... But so it's very, I have a very simple setup. You know, I'll record scratch vocals or vocals, and I like the mic on my MacBook better than my whatever, my $500 microphone. Uh-huh. And I'll keep it because I like yeah. the quality of it. Yeah. So, you know, I have a Scarlet Intervase and Yamaha monitors. Those are probably the most expensive pieces of gear that I have. And my old MacBook, which is always telling me I'm running out of memory. <laughs> oh, I'm like, one of these days I gotta, you know, do something about that. But um, I, it's really, really minimal, and it just for me makes it a little easier. 
to have yeah. less choices. I mean, I remember one song I was playing and I just, I, I spent so much time trying to find the right kick drum and it's like compressing it and this and it didn't work. And then I just started um, knocking on the desk. I was like, perfect. That's the timbre I want. And I recorded that. So, you know, post wildfires, it's all about make do with what you have. Yeah. For I me. think that's, oh. that's kind of, um, let's see, I'm trying to find the right. I feel like that's, that's like the, um, the, the experts, like the, the longer, the longer you do stuff, like I say this as I'm surrounded by stuff, but <laughs> I have found, and it's a common theme with when yeah. I talk to people who I like really look up to as musicians. Right. And I think are very talented musicians. A, a common theme that pops up yeah. is less is more getting to know your stuff. Right. What it can do. Right. You know, if, if you're using 5% of 500 things, what happens if you learn how to use 75% of right. one really powerful thing? Right. Um, and I think there's this, you know, this whole gear acquisition syndrome that, mm. gets, that mm. gets you at the beginning when you mm-hmm. get really excited about getting into it. Right. You know, time shows you. And, I, and it's, it's, it's weird how this, this, this keeps coming up, this kind of like the universe, like dealing you some hard lessons, but you, yeah. you actually taking them as such, right. you know, cause you could go the other way. A lot of That's people true. could go the other way. That's right? true. That's true. So very inspirational. Yeah. Oh, thank um, you. Thank you. Yeah. Plus I'm cheap. <laughs> Frugal is the yeah, nice yeah, word. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what? I, I was, uh, I was working for this, this I was, uh, I was busing for this restaurant when I first moved to Seattle. Uh-huh. Um, and they so they served manila, like a manila clam dish and every oh. time i bust the like the the bowls yeah. filled with the shells i'd dump yeah. them in i'd be like that sounds so good like the way those clams hit so one day like when no one was looking i dumped somebody's <laughs> clams into a plastic bag and brought them home and that was like one third of this snare drum that I used on a, like a whole album. Was oh my like gosh. <laughs> that is so cool. Oh my gosh. You got to get creative. It's not about the wow. equipment. <laughs> oh my gosh. See people like you, that always amazes me. And, and, um, and such admiration about that because that's like number one, sound creation, but it's like attention to detail at a, at a different level. And it's like, yeah, I just, I think it's cool, know. and it's yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I think I think you're similar. I, I get in the same sense from you. Like we're just always on. Like yeah. if I'm on a vaca- vacation somewhere, yeah. I know, I'm like, how could I shoot this <laughs> with my camera? Like where would be a cool spot to set up my synth, or what would right. be a cool thing to field record here? Like I right. can't I can't turn it off. Right, it bugs my wife sometimes a little bit, but yeah. I, I'm starting to get her into, she's, she's pretty into field recording now. So oh, is she? About that. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which field recording, um, I feel like over the last, I don't know, five years, that seems to be the in thing. Mm-hmm. Buzzword. Everyone, you know, is kind of, I, he, what's the history behind it? I mean, like why it seems chic um, now, or I don't know. Yeah. But, I, or no. Uh, I th- I think well Brian Brian Eno this is kind of the like one of the big like legends about it is Bre- 
I mean, a lot of people are probably going to listen to this and be like, well, no, it really started here. But for me, <laughs> yeah. it was um, Brian Eno, you know, did this experiment where he he went on this walk mm-hmm. that he did every day. It was like, you know, this this five to ten minute walk. It may, I don't remember the exact length, but basically he recorded just the sound of this walk. And he was curious that if he listened to that same recording over and over again, if that would eventually become a song. And then he was like, oh, yeah, oh. It, it did. So he got to know the beats of the walk. This is where that bird goes off, and this is where this oh. car honks or whatever. Um, so I think he, you know, Brian Eno's a huge, you know, uh, you know, he's a huge inspiration for a lot of this, like, more mm-hmm. kind of, and the music concrete stuff, I think, was big. Um, tape music, recording mm-hmm. stuff to tape and then manipulating tape right. stuff. Uh, I, I have my own theory on why it's so popular and it's how, and, and I saw that, and this theory came to light when I saw my, uh, my wife's eyes light up with a, like joy and amazement. The first time she put on good headphones and held a field recorder out near a river and a fire. It's like, Oh, this sounds cool. And it makes you want to go around and find sounds. So you, we record hours and hours and hours of stuff that we never use. Right. Because it's just really fun to do. Um, wow. And, you know, people take it and create samples out of it and then will create their own voices out of it and stuff. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's just like, it's just kind of a way of, I think a lot of people also like to, um, it's a way of combining being active mm-hmm. and being outside, mm-hmm. people who love nature with their yeah. other passion of just sound and cre- and just creativity. Uh, yeah. That, that's my take on it, but I'm right, sure there's a right. million others. But um, if you haven't put like put on some headphones and I held like have... a shot, like a shotgun mic out in the woods or something, yeah, you should do it. It's a lot of fun. I'm yeah. gonna do it. Yeah, I could even tell you what you. Sh- so you could get the Zoom. Yes. The Zoom, the Zoom series. They have like mics that attach to the top of them. Have you seen Z- these? Is it a Zoom recorder? It's called. Yeah, I. Um, yeah. I'll I'll show you mine right here. Oh my gosh, that was like on my calendar to research this week because somebody else mentioned it. Oh. So I have this case here. Yes. Okay. Nick holds. So this, you don't need to get one like this unless you want the extra inputs. But this is called the Zoom H6. So Uh on the side here, these are um, quarter inch and XLR inputs. Yeah. So these, these four... Um, knobs represent the four different channels. So there's four four channels there. And then there are different microphone attachments. So this is a stereo microphone attachment that goes on the top. Yes. And then we, my wife just got me this for Christmas. This is the, the shotgun. So this is a directional mic. So this is really great for recording. Like, Oh, there's a bird off to the left pointed at it. And it sounds really great. Um, and I, they're relatively cheap. They also double as an audio interface, they have oh. an audio interface mode. So that's yes. cool. Battery powered. Um, but yeah, so this is the H6 cause there's six inputs, the four, but you can H6. get, um, okay. you know, there's, there's a two. Okay. If you don't want the imp, the, the inputs, if you just right. want the, the attaching mic. So oh, there are sweet. options and you can get set up for probably just a couple hundred bucks to, to really that's have some fun. Bad. So it's audio only, right? Yeah. Okay. Could you hook your camera up to it and film too? Or you know, there there's 
I can hook my, yes, you can actually, because, um, well, I can with my iPhone. So okay. there is a USB connector. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Just turns USB into the iPhone dealy, Bob. Yeah. Um, their, their proprietary power thing. Mm -hmm. And then you plug that in. Um, oh, into you your iPhone? In, yeah, into the iPhone. And then yes. that's how I can use it to capture the video. This So there... I'm sure there are certain cameras that can interface. Right. Um, wow. So yeah, it's okay. it's pretty powerful. And even if you're not gonna like, I use it for podcasts before the pandemic. If I'm gonna meet up with somebody, yeah. Um, you know, at a bar or something to talk. Okay. Okay. You know, every time we go camping, it's sitting right by my head in case some coyotes go off or something. Oh, you know, there's God. like it's it's got so many different uses. I think yeah. Oh, cool. See, that was meant to be. Yeah. Because that was on my to-do list tomorrow morning. Oh, good. Look up, awesome. look up Zoom camera because you're the second person who, who's been advocate, who advocated for it. So, yeah. oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, and I, like I, I, I'm sure there's plenty of ways to hook it up to different types of digital yeah. SLRs or micro four third cameras and stuff. So Sweet. And there's right. probably, I don't, I was actually, I'm going to talk to a guy who's, um, who's like a really well-known field recordist mm -hmm. and I'm going to, I'm going to try to get the goods from him. Cause I really like this one, but I'm like, is there a better version? Cause everybody okay. seems to use these zooms. Right, I think right. Sony makes a pretty decent one. But okay. Okay. I think these are kind of the consumer grade, go out and have fun. Right. Um, I'm sure they make super crazy expensive ones, but good to know. Thank you. Yeah. I think there's also an attachment for a lavalier. Ah, perfect. Um, okay. Yeah, so that might totally come in really useful for you as yeah. COVID eases up and you do more stuff with the magazine. Exactly, exactly. Uh, now I just really, you, you get me going on field <laughs> recording and I'm going to really nerd out because that's been my thing. <laughs> and I so want to pick your brain because I'm wondering, with the video that you made for Peaked mm -hmm. in Seattle, was that, did you use a similar setup? Zoom? Yeah, or? so that... V, that on the boat or the ship? Yeah, so that beginning scene with my wife walking around, she was holding. Oh that. yes, yes. So what I did is I filmed, I filmed her walking around with that, and then I synced the audio from that with the the video. Okay. And then I I played like a bass, like a right. bass line, and then I just inserted that under it. Okay. The second part where I was playing, um, my bass with my synth, and yes. the video was behind me. Yes. Um, I was I was recording directly into that. That's what I used to record into. Ah, okay. Okay. So I record the surrounding sounds, so birds are chirping, and I can get my clap yes. to sync with my video. Yes. Um, and then I can do. I usually do a stereo output from my synth synth into yes. two of the inputs there, and then okay. my bass into another. Okay. One. So I end up using all but one input pretty. Got it. Regularly. Got it. Yeah. If you were to do vocals, you'd would you pick up all the wind and things, or not necessarily, or it just depends. Um, well, so what, if you want, so what I would, what I do is if I want to pick up, like if I wanted to use one of the mics built into it to sing mm -hmm. into, mm -hmm. but I was worried the wind might screw it up, right. I'd probably use a mic as well. Cause they'll be on okay. separate tracks. Oh, okay. Either one, or you could do a combo oh. of them or whatever. Yeah. So that records, f um, five different tracks. One of them is stereo. Got That's it. Cause it's that, that top. Right. Plugin. Okay. Pretty, it's very, very useful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, disregard everything I said about buying gear until you 100% know how to use it. I might get this for Mother's Day or something. I don't know. 
<laughs> well, please let me know if you do. I, I will. See if you do it. <laughs> I actually will. just went around and rec- that, that's that same ferry I went on. Well, uh, that same ferry system. I went on a bigger boat when it was stormy and I just did a couple laps and recorded yeah. that. And uh, I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm looking oh. forward to it. But it's so much fun. That you're you're so going to love cool. it. Your All kids right. will love it too. I, I was thinking my, yeah, my little one would, my daughter would. Yeah. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, now, now we're definitely over an hour. Let's let's get you uh, <laughs> let's get you a word for your patch challenge. Okay. I, I gotta generate one. Okay. Because um, I've got a random patch out. challenge generator. Okay. Um, let's see. Where is it? I I should always have this pulled up before this part of the show, and I never do. That's all good. Um, let's see. How about Lenient. radiant prism? Okay. That sounds cool, right? Oh my gosh. So you give it some time and it'll spit out a really good one. That's... Yeah. <laughs> That's not very random, Tim. If you pick the ones that <laughs> That's a really good. That's a really good observation. After three years, I kind of just do what I want. <laughs> I know. Oh good. Uh, uh, well, Aggie, That's this a good one. Been so much fun it's always oh. a pleasure getting to know somebody new and it's always awesome when the, uh i always know it's an awesome conversation when it flies by oh um so thank you for your time i'm looking so forward to what you're going to do with this this new venture um but i want to give you the last word is there anything you'd like to scream from the modular mountaintops before we sign off here I was just terrified before we started all week that you were going to pick my brain about how synths work <laughs> and that's what scared the hell out of me because I was like, oh no. <laughs> so I'm glad we went in the direction that we did today. And it was a delight, absolute delight to talk with you. <laughs> Likewise. Where should people go to, to learn more about um, your work and, uh, and Unmute? The hub is ekishola.com. So www.ekishola.com. And you can link to unmutemagazine.com from there. So ekishola.com is the hub. All right, let's check out Radiant Prism by Ekishola.
Okay, how was that for a patch challenge? <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, thank you so much, Eki, for coming on the show. And thank you all for listening. Please go check out Unmute Magazine. Subscribe and, and just, you know, dive into that first issue. It's already out. Uh, link in the show description. Um, this track that you hear playing under me is coming from that, uh, that album that I'm releasing with my buddy Steven Jett this friday don't forget about the modular world one year anniversary show uh what else did i mention earlier um the new uh send receive project with sarah bell reed myself heinbach and helen vogelsinger um thank you to after later audio patchworks seattle and needham woodworks for their continued support of the show please check out the blip blocks and the blip blocks after dark more coming on those next week and finally thank you so much to all the Patreon subscribers. Go uh, check out those bonus episodes. Um, and we'll, we'll chat with you next week. <laughs>